Alrighty. Well, good morning. Good morning. Today I want to share with you about a about a, a time that I experienced with God. It really just kind of changed my thinking on a lot of stuff. You know, after I really started serving the Lord, I was really, uh, I was doing really well. And then, all of a sudden, man, just messed up totally bad, man. Went back to old things I did in sin and totally screwed up. <clears throat> and I remember, um, and I was just reminded about it this morning, you know. And so, it's been amazing. I'll tell you this. I remember, I remember crying and walking with the Lord and crying and, and saying, Lord, I would say, how could you use me? You know? And the Lord just said, Zach, I've chosen you. And I said, uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember. I said, well, how could you use me? And he said, Zach, I've chosen you. And I said, but I'm, I'm so screwed up. And he said, you're perfect. And uh, at the time, I had such a, a feeling of unworthiness. You know? I knew my calling. I knew what I was supposed to do. I have such unworthiness. And the Lord, the Lord told me, do not call unclean what I have declared to be clean. I'm like, where was that? So I just looked it up and it's a, an Acts chapter 10 verse 15. It's whenever the sheet comes down and um, when the sheet comes down and uh, Peter's having that vision, you know, where he's like, uh, he sees all the stuff on the on the on the sheet of of, of cloth, and he's like, uh, the angel tells him, take it, eat it, you know, and it was all this un, these unclean animals, you know, and he's like, no, I never, I'll never do that, but he says, don't call common what I call holy, where God is cleansed, you know, and so what it has to actually do with being like not just common, it has to do. Like when it talks about being common, it's talking about the difference between being holy and set apart for sacred use and just being common, you know. When that, in that story, he's really talking about the Gentiles. When, when the, the animals that came down in the sheet that he had made clean were actually the Gentiles. They were the people that were not set apart for God. But God was saying, now I'm going to set them apart for me. And now I've declared them holy. It's a huge change, especially in the mentality of the Jews, because the Jews didn't believe that these guys could have salvation. They didn't believe that this was accessible to them. So this vision in Acts chapter 10, verse 15, um, it was basically just saying, man, uh, don't call the thing that I've declared to be clean and unclean. You know? Man, and that's changed my life, man. You know, when I realized, man, I, I'm not held back anymore by those things that I've done or even if I mess up you know I'm still not held by those things that once held me you know and you know it's like I just kept hearing the Lord say you're gonna beat it 
I made you. I made you win. You're you're gonna win. You know. And so this is an identity thing. You know, you're you're, you're talking about who you are in Christ, man. When I find my identity in Christ, you know who I really, really am. I'm not defined by what I did or what I'm doing. I'm defined by what he did, you know. I'm defined by what he said I was. <clears throat> and so, man. You know, let's go to Romans chapter 6. We may get into this a little bit. You know, we're gonna go th- I'm going to just go through a whole list of people, man. That would be unworthy, you know. Uh, you have, let's see here, Noah. He was a drunk, you know. God used him. <laughs> he could have easily said, I'm not worthy, you know. You have Paul. He said, I'm the chief among sinners, you know. He persecuted the church, killed a lot of families. I mean, he was the closest thing to a serial killer there was out there, you know. <laughs> he had one, I mean, that's what serial killers do. They're kind of psychotic in the fact that they pick they pick a, a a group of people and they go after that one people, you know. That's what, that's what Paul was doing. He was on a rampage, killing all these people. He was killing Christians. God transformed <clears throat> his life, totally, totally made him. Totally different, you know. <clears throat> you know, David. He was a murderer. And he was an adulterer. Samson was a womanizer. His downfall was definitely women. I'm talking about the strongest guy. Completely taken down by this one flaw in his life, you know. Samuel didn't know how to raise his kids. Now, I'm not going to say he didn't know how to raise his kids necessarily, but he had a failure in kids. You know, a lot of people, they'll look at their kids and they'll, especially if they fail, you know, they'll say, man, I'm a, I'm a failure because my kids failed, you know. But Samuel was mightily used by God, you know. Uh, There's just a few of them, you know. Jeremiah, he was depressed. <laughs> he suffered from so much depression, man. I, I think it was partly, you know, he was really grieving in spirit, but but he was, I mean, he had a whole book written called Lamentations, you know. He never even saw any converts. Can you imagine? You know, preaching for years and nobody ever turned. That'd be hard. You know, people might even say he's a failure in ministry. You know, he was a failing he was a failing pastor. He couldn't keep anybody. <laughs> you know, we can't judge it by that. You know, we have to judge by what God says we are, man. Paul says it best. It says, "I am." You know what I am? By the grace of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, Paul was considered an apostle, but he he didn't ever think that he was that because of who he because in his own might, man. You know, and I remember I remember saying to the Lord, man, I'm nothing, you know. And the Lord said to me, Let me shine my light through you. 
Let me shine through you. And there is nothing better, man, in life than to know that God wants to use you. That comes through intimacy with the Lord, though. You know, if you have, without intimacy with the Lord, you can't ever hear His voice, you know. <laughs> so awesome. There's nothing more precious than the voice of God. There's nothing more precious than hearing His voice. Because His Word is what defines you, you know. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and the strangers they will not follow. So, a lot of people don't believe they can hear God's voice, you know. It's just because you don't know how to hear it. You just don't recognize it. God's speaking all the time. The Bible says in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. But you're going to tell me that the Word shut up? <laughs> the Word never stops talking. God always talks. He's always speaking. We just have to be silent and quiet. You know, if you were getting real quiet right now, there's a lot of things that are happening you couldn't hear before. You can hear the clock ticking. You can hear the refrigerators humming. You can hear the lights buzzing. You know what I mean? If somebody let one rip, you'd hear that too. <laughs> but, you know, we... It's the same with the voice of God, man. If we don't know how to get still, we won't be able to hear it. Whenever Elijah was on the mountain, you know... It says that a still, small voice. It says the thunder came, and the, the earthquake came, the great wind, the fire, and God was not in any of those things. You know? And it says a still, small voice came. And then that was whenever God was speaking. You know, we have to recognize that, that God ain't going to just shout at us necessarily, you know? Now, sometimes when we really hear Him, it feels like a shout. Because when, when, when the Lord told me, do not call unclean the thing that I've declared to be clean that was like a shaking word for me you know what I mean my core shook you know and it was it was still a small voice but at the same time it shook me to my core you know it's a commanding it was a it was a rebuke you know almost but at the same time it was this uplifting word that just gave me life you know we got to learn how to hear God's voice man we can't be looking at our search at our situation, uh, at our circumstances and our environment and our at everything around us to determine what God's word is, you know, on a matter, you know. So you believe in God for finances, and I, I heard somebody say this one time. I'm talking about being able to trust the Lord and hear His voice. He's. I remember somebody telling me one time, Zach, um, when the provision stops, then God's not there. Or God's not in it. So what they were doing, instead of saying, when God speaks, the provision will come. That's what they should have said. <laughs> but what they're saying is, when the provision stops, then you know God's not in it. So here's what those, those people are doing, is they're looking at their circumstance to determine the Word of God. We should be looking at our circumstance to determine the Word of God. The provision doesn't mean anything. The Word of God means everything. I'm going to say that again. The provision means nothing. The Word of God is everything. In fact, the Word of God is the provision. The Word of God is the provision. It's, 
That's the substance. This word from God is the substance of that provision. It's the tangible thing. If I got a word from God, I've as good as got the thing. If I've got a word from God, then I have, it's as if I have the very thing he promised me in my hand right now. If I have a word from God, it doesn't matter what my circumstance looks like. It doesn't matter what the scenario is. I don't care what it looks like. I remember when my wife was losing our baby in the womb. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I couldn't stop believing. I pumped my mind and my heart so full of healing scriptures and, you know, scriptures that said you will not be bearing a miscarry. Stuff that the church would just like, ah, at because it was just too, too much, you know. They would never tell me that. Nobody would want to come tell me the truth because they're looking at my scenario. They're looking at the provision, you know. They're looking at um, whether or not things are coming through. Well, that must not be God or whatever, you know what I mean? A lot of people say really stupid stuff when you're going through hard times instead of, instead of speaking the truth. You know what the truth is? You'll not be bearing a miscarry. So my wife's losing the baby and people will want to come and nobody could pray. Nobody could believe what I was going to believe because I knew what the word said, you know? And when we lost the baby, I still didn't stop believing the word of God, which said you'll not be bearing a miscarry. I remember a guy, a, a, a woman came and prayed for us, sat on the bed and I looked at her and I said, look, I don't care if the baby comes out, God put another one in there. Like, I don't care. I don't care what I see. So a lot of people will say, well, if the provision's not there, God's not in. That's, that is not the word of God. <laughs> you know? We got to start telling people truth. Because that truth, if they can hold on to it, will set them free. You know, within six weeks, my wife was already pregnant again. And now we have our, our youngest baby, you know, Samuel. And I'm not saying the time frame is even that important, you know, because Abraham was 100 years old and believed the word of God. And then finally had a baby. You know what I mean? So we have to believe the word of God. Time doesn't determine the will of God. The circumstance doesn't determine the will of God. What's happening, the wind doesn't determine, you know? <laughs> and sometimes, man, it's not even about whether it's the, the will of God anyway or not. Sometimes it's a matter of your faith. You know? We talked about this yesterday in our prayer time. Whenever uh, The Lord just showed me this the other day. Uh, Peter, it wasn't God's idea for Peter to walk on the water. And so oftentimes we think, well, we can't do anything unless God tells you to do it. Peter walked on water. And every church member I know today would say, well, if I told them I'm going to go out there and walk on Lake Brownwood, well, you know, if, God's, if God didn't tell you to do it, if God's not leading you to do it, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> Peter asked, Lord, if that's you, call me out on the water. You know? Kind of didn't give him a choice, right? He kind of made it. If that's you, <laughs> what's Jesus going to say? It's not me. <laughs> you know? Hey, if that's you over there, I want to come out there, you know? You know what You know what Peter really wanted, man? Peter just Peter just wanted to be with Jesus, man. He just wanted to go where Jesus was going, man. Peter was a cussing sailor. He was totally unworthy. He rejected Jesus three times, backstabbed him. He Peter was a backstabber. You know? And a coward. He was a backstabber and a coward. He was all talk and no walk. You know? When it, when it, when it came down to it, I'm not talking about his true identity. I'm talking about what he succumbed to, you know, at one point in his life. What I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is, man, there, the, the, the beginning, I began with unworthy, that we feel unworthy, you know? That's what I began this lesson with.
and whatever it is, man, whether maybe we backstabbed Jesus or maybe we sinned, you know, fell back into sin after we started following the Lord, mm. you know. Peter was walking with Jesus, and then he messed up. Mm. And he did the worst thing, you know. That's what I'm trying to say. But this man right here, man, he got a word from Jesus, you know. The first word was, hey, put your nets down, I'll make you fishermen, right? So he starts following Jesus. Then Jesus gets arrested, and he runs. It's a coward, backstabs him, he just turns his back and denies him three times. Then when he meets Jesus again, Jesus says, do you love me? And he goes, yeah, I'd love you. And Three times. Of course, then he starts breaking down, you know, the third time because he couldn't believe he asked him a third time. You know all things, Lord. You know. But he was saying, do you love me more than these? That was one, one, one translation says, do you love me more than these? And it was this fish. Talking about his fish, yeah, this amazing signs and wonder that this happened. Couldn't even pull the nets in. It was so so much fish. I think it was like 159 fish. And do you love me more than these? And he goes, you know, you know all things. And then he says, feed my lambs or feed my sheep. You know. So here's Peter. Just just went through this whole thing right after. This is so awesome. Listen, right. After he screwed up, Jesus picks him back up and says, Come on, let's go. Let's go feed some lambs. There was no siesta. There was no recoup for Peter. Just the word. You know? <laughs> Just the word. Hey, there was no, hey, let me go and get better now. You know? That's p the pity party thing, you know? I messed up. Oh, I'm such a horrible person. You know what I mean? I'm sure he struggled with that. Don't get me wrong. My point is this, that for Jesus, Jesus' intention for Peter wasn't for him to wallow in that. His intention for him was to go and feed a sheep. Right now. Peter, stop beating yourself up. Stop worrying about if you're a failure. Stop doing that. Stop it. Do you love me? That's all I care about. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Go feed my sheep. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it could, oh man, could you imagine being in that conversation with Jesus, man? I, I, I'm in that conversation sometimes with Jesus. Do you love me? Yes, Father, you know, you know I love you. And he's like, Zach, I love you. Man, when I hear God tell me I lo he loves me, he just breaks my heart. Because I'm unlovable. You know? But he loved me. So awesome. You know? <laughs> and then Peter gets up, man. He's out there. He's just like setting fire to the world, man. They, they were coming out of the, of the synagogues. Man, the, these, these men who flipped the world upside down. There's only one thing that caused a man to flip the world upside down. And that's the love of the Father. That's knowing who you are in Him. That's the only thing that's caused you to flip the world upside down. When you realize who you are in Him. Not your circumstances. Not what you've seen. Not if you keep going back to your own vomit and screwing up again and again and again and again. That's not what determines. that. If you keep on focusing on the last stuff, you're never going to flip the world upside down. But if you'll focus on the fact that Jesus loves you, and if you can remember your love for him, that will flip the whole world upside down. Getting a word from God. Knowing what he says about you. Knowing what he tells you to do. What are you going to do now? So you mess up, you go ask God, okay, God, who am I? And he tells you who you are. This is who I made you, son. This is what I want you to do now. And he never lets you just sit there and you're all in your own self-pity. 
Because that's not your destiny. Your destiny is to go out there and preach the gospel. Go out there and set the captives free. Go out there and flip the world upside down. You know? You can't ever stay down. It's not your destiny. You know? It's good stuff. So, back up to here. The provision stops when people say that, you know? I mean, where, where do you finally draw the line when you're believing God? Faith is for impossible things. Amen. You know, listen. It's impossible to have faith without impossibility. <clears throat> it's impossible to have faith without impossibility. Hey, when you go into a possible situation and faith comes in there, possibility looks at faith and says, you have no business being here. When faith walks into the room with possibility, possibility looks at faith and says, you have no business being here. <laughs> if it's possible by man, faith is not required. Faith is only for impossible things. Just like a parachute is only meant for jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> That's faith, man. <laughs> it has one purpose. To take you to impossible places. And so many people want to live comfortable Christian lives. But comfortability, that is not where faith is. Faith doesn't exist there. You know? <laughs> Finding faith in a place that's comfortable is like finding oxygen on Mars. It's just not there. <laughs> it's got to be uncomfortable and it's got to be impossible before faith is even required. So, when I start realizing my identity in Christ, so, that, that's whenever it's impossible because it's not possible for me to be good. That's why the scripture says to the disciples of the Jesus said, well, who can be saved then? And Jesus looks at them and says, what's impossible for men is possible for God. Who can be saved? It's impossible. But by God, all things are possible. We're talking about the biggest miracle in the world. The fact that you could be called the righteousness of God. The fact that you are worthy. Do not call unclean the thing that I've made clean, God says. That's impossible, but I have to believe it. And if without faith in my identity in Christ, I'll never flip the world upside down. You know? You can never flip the world upside down if you don't know what the impossibility you've been created for. You know? Provision. I'm going to go back to this again. So people say, when the provision stops, God's not in it. That's just a backwards faith, man. That's not really faith. That's waiting to see what happens before you really believe God. And that's not faith. True faith says, I heard God. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to do it. Because God said so. Even if the provision doesn't look like it's going to come in. When do you draw the line? 15 days in the month? 20 days in the month? 29 days in the month? 30 days in the month? 31 days in the month? 32 days in the month? When do you draw the line? <laughs> when, when God's not providing. God's providing. All the time. You know? And if I'll, I guarantee you this. If faith is required to move things from heaven to earth, and you're still looking at your situation to determine your faith, you ain't going to see the provision of God. Because it takes faith. 
Faith believes in when you, even when you don't see. That's what faith is. Faith is believing the thing you can't see. Faith is believing you can't believing the thing that you cannot see. So if you can see it, it doesn't require faith. It's just not. There's no business being there. You know? This is why it's amazing. We have an amazing gospel, man. Yes, we are so unworthy. And no, it's not really possible. But in Christ, all things are possible. Who you are, your destiny, your identity, who you really are. So impossible. Because you're so unworthy. But Christ has made you worthy. It's the most beautiful thing. It's the gospel, man. It's the good news. This is the most beautiful thing. By hand, this is more beautiful than the Grand Canyon. This is more beautiful than a sunset. It's more beautiful than your wife. This is the, the most beautiful thing. This is more beautiful than your children. The fact that God, man, can call you righteous. The fact that God can call you worthy. The fact that he can call you holy. The fact that he can call you clean. It's a miracle. And that's the miracle we have to believe before we can get anything done in the kingdom. When I know this is who I really am in him, that's whenever I can go and flip the whole world upside down. Why? Because if he can save me, I can do anything. You know, this is the, I'm going to read this verse and then we'll close out. I believe it's in... I think it's in uh, Matthew 17. Yeah, man. He says, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Here's the thing. If we can truly believe that we're the righteousness of God, we can truly believe anything. Anything. He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I say to you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You know, we always say, well, nothing's impossible for God. But Jesus says that nothing will be impossible for you. Man, that's powerful. We say Jesus is the light of the world. In Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says you are the light of the world. See, when we start to really get a hold of the word of God for our life, nothing is impossible for us. Nothing. Like when you realize that you're the righteousness of God, that God loves you like this, like you're his favorite child in your heart. When you really know your identity in him, you realize, I'm, a, I'm, I'm God's favorite, man. I, Dwayne, Dwayne says it like this. It's funny. I remember him saying, uh, God's got my picture in his pocket, in his wallet, you know? You know? <clears throat> you know? And now it's the iPhone, right? Oh, my iPhone's recording. Uh, now it's like, God's got my picture on the front of his iPhone, you know? <laughs> you know? He got it tattooed on the phone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, I'm playing Zach. Yeah, right here, Zach speaking. I'm his favorite. No, man, if you could really get that, man, that you're just you're not just not unworthy anymore. You're his favorite kid, you know? This is why you can ask anything from God, you know? And it's the kindness of the Lord that brings about repentance, man. When we realize how much he loves us, man, we repent. We just repent, you know? We just repent. Like, he doesn't have to point anything out. All he has to do is just show up and love on me. And then I see all my problems, you know? Like, he doesn't have to point anything out. He just has to turn the light on. Bam! Now I can see everything, you know? I get exposed to the light. Why? Well, I love the light. I hate the darkness, man. So I come into light. My darkness is exposed. And it's okay because I get healing. 
I start realizing who I am in him. He shines his light on me. And then he wants to shine through me. That's awesome. That's really cool. It's not just that he wants to shine on me. He wants to shine through me. You know? We aren't the anointed one that goes out and set captives free now. Like, that's what we have to get, we have to get, you know, past, man. Like, this, this is why sin is so dangerous in the New Covenant, you know, and, uh, because it, it's not because it kills you and sends you to hell, but it takes you out of commission, you know? Puts you on the sideline in your heart. You're not on the sideline. Get back up and get out there and do something for the kingdom of God. Get over yourself. You're, you're not responsible for your righteousness anyway, you know? You couldn't screw this up if you tried. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I mean, that's a little dangerous. I'm not saying you can just go sin all you want. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you couldn't mess it up, man. You can't mess up what Jesus did on the cross. And that's amazing. And that would, if you're truly humble, that will cause you to really pursue this thing with all your heart. Because whenever you really, when you really receive the love of God, it, it transforms your heart. Like, you can't stay the same way anymore, you know? Because he loves me so much. I can't stay this way. I can't keep on doing this no more, you know, because he loves me. And the kindness of the Lord brings about repentance. It, become, it, it becomes a passion in you, man, when you realize how much Jesus loved me. I want everybody else to know that. I want everybody else to know the love of the Father. And it just drives me. You know, a lot of people will say, well, you're just gifted, Zach. You just get out there and you're just gifted for evangelism. No, I'm not. I just love people. You know, I preach the gospel. Because I love them. I don't preach the gospel because I'm good at talking. When the first time I preached the gospel, I wasn't any good at all. <laughs> I got better with practice. <laughs> and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, as I stepped out in faith, you know? Amen. But the first time I preached the gospel, I didn't know how to share the gospel, man. I started with Adam. And Adam and Eve in the garden. I'm like, I remember talking to kids in, uh, in third grade. Talking to kids. I was like, hey, listen. Y'all know the story of Adam and Eve? And I just started telling the Bible, man. Maybe one day I'll get to Jesus. <laughs> you know? I, it was so long I couldn't get to this. I, something checked out and left. I couldn't, you know, I wasn't very good at sharing the gospel. And what, what's that to them? They aren't going to understand. I, like, I was just going with what I knew, man. I knew the Bible. I knew the Bible stories. I knew Adam and Eve sinned. So I would tell them, man, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and it separated us from, from, from God because of our sin. And Jesus died and paid the price so that we could and I didn't even understand the mysteries of the gospel, man. All I knew was, all I knew was Adam and Eve sinned by eating the fruit. Jesus died. And if I accept him in my heart, I'll go to heaven. That's all I knew. You know? And I'd tell people that, man. I'd tell people, that's all I knew. But that didn't connect with these people. Like, they didn't understand. Oh, yeah, that's a nice Bible story. Okay. Uh-huh. I, well, I, I shared the gospel with like 13 people and only one guy, one guy got saved, you know? But I wasn't going to let go. I was going to do what I knew. That's all I knew. All I knew was people were dying and going to hell. And it wasn't about my gifting. It wasn't about my ability to speak. It wasn't about my Bible knowledge. I just told them what I knew, which was if they, if they accept Jesus in their heart, they're going to get to go to heaven. That's all I would tell them, man. I would start like that, you know? My point is, you don't have to be specially gifted. You just have to love. You just have to, you can only give what you've been given. And so, when you've been given forgiveness, when you've been given love, you just go give it. The Bible says, freely you've received, freely you should give. We should just go. 
You don't have to have no special calling or, or anointing. You are called. The moment you get saved, you have a ministry. And that ministry is to serve all the lost people by sharing the gospel with them. And to serve the body of Christ by loving on your family. And your, your, your spiritual family too, mainly. is what I'm referring to. But yeah, of course, your real family too. But I'm talking about in the body of Christ, you know. <clears throat> so anyway, I'm going to pray this out and we'll close it. But we got to get over this unworthiness and know who we are in Jesus. And know that we have great things to do because of his word, not because of what we've done or because of anything around us or because of our lack of resources. And we got to stop coming up with excuses. That's what we really got to do. You know, just got to stop coming up with excuses. We just got to get out there and go love people. Father, in the name of Jesus, and thank you, Lord. This word will set somebody free and get them stirred up to go out and make a difference in the world for Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you have made me worthy. I thank you, Lord, that you've made me clean. I thank you, Father, that you have totally transformed my identity in you. I'm the righteousness of God. And I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you've called me to, to, to do this and love on other people and teach them your word. I'm so humbled and grateful you would choose a sinner like me and make me the righteousness of God. And I thank you, Father, that, I'm, that we're, we're going to set people free. And I thank you, Father, that um, many people will come to know you. And they'll know your name and they'll... They'll, they'll know who they are in Christ and they'll know your love and they'll hear your voice. And I thank you, Father, that when they hear your voice, it will radically change their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Line Ministry Podcast. For additional teaching, prayer, information, or support, visit our website at boldasalignedministries.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our Facebook page for weekly updates on what God is doing here. We pray blessing over you and yours and for the passion and courage to walk boldly for God.